What's going on, everybody? This is John. Hey, welcome to the podcast for Cashflow Veteran. Uh, real quick, um, this episode that I did, I ended up breaking it up into two different episodes. So it kind of starts out as if it's the first episode that I was doing, but I really went on a rant for probably a good 30 minutes. And so I went ahead and broke this up. And this had a lot more to do with just um, some ideas of liberty in general. So this is what this topic is actually really about. And then it moves on into my specific health journey. So that's why I wanted to release it as another episode. If you haven't already, uh, go ahead and subscribe to whatever podcasting platform you're out there. Leave a five-star rating and a review for me. I appreciate it. If you ever want to reach out to me, please do so. Um, certainly on the anchor.fm app, you can always leave me voice messages. You can send me an email at cashflowveteran at gmail.com. You can go to my website. And I also, please, please, please want you to subscribe to my daily newsletter. It's powerful stuff. We explore liberally. We laugh. Uh, hopefully, I can, I can make you mad and snap you out of uh, some bad ways of thinking, some things I had to do for myself. And then I always want to offer you you know, solutions. You're not always going to get hard pitched on stuff there. You're always going to have something to click on that's uh, either informative or something that does support my business in some way that does build value for you. So go ahead and hop on that as well. And with that, let's get into the episode. Welcome to Cashflow Veteran. This is John, your host. This is for military members, veterans, spouses, and anybody else affiliated with the military. This show is where fighting for your financial freedom is just as important as your political freedom. Let's get to it. What's going on, my fellow Cashflow Veterans? Welcome to the first episode of the health series that I'm doing. It's only a series of about four uh, talks that I have. And this first one that I'm going to do that you'll hear first is really just kind of my general ideas about health, my health journey, how I came to some of the revelations uh, that I have. But this is also done after a couple of the interviews that I did. And I got to say that the interviews were very eye-opening you know, for me, even for some stuff that I knew uh, about their lives and about uh, their health journeys, it made a whole heck of a lot more sense when you kind of put it into perspective of their life story and how they went through their transformation uh, in health. Um, now, I don't necessarily know where I want to take this because I wanted to start out with one idea and move through another. And I, and I hope that you'll stick through this as I kind of go along. But the idea that I even had for this topic of health in general for these four episodes for the month of May, and I'm going to be releasing them almost back to back. It's going to be within a week, and then I'm going to move on to the next topic. And then after that, it'll be about one episode per week uh, that I'm working on. And every month is going to be a theme that I'm working on. And then occasionally I'll be able to do you know one big uh, ebook or something like that. And I'll introduce that. Uh, and also once a month, I really want to dig into some of the more entrepreneurial type of uh, themes, some more Liberty themes as well. Uh, that'll be one on just, just me talking, just some of my own revelations from things that I'm reading and thinking about when it comes to Liberty, how it impacts you as a spouse of a veteran, uh, being a veteran, a military member, a dependent, whatever station life that you might be that, you know, you correspond with cash flow veteran. And that's what I really hope is that there's a resonation that 
that what I, what I do here resonates with you in your life because of where these things intersect. The ideas of liberty, of entrepreneurship, and your military affiliation, whatever that might be. Uh, but again, I, I believe that these people that uh, are the family members, the people that decide to you know, stand in the gap and you know, go fight for freedom. And while you might disagree with me on some of the stances that I certainly will take, uh, I, I hope that you understand that it's not you as the individual. I certainly honor and respect your desire to go stand in the gap and to do those things. My realization and the opinion that I've come to is that oftentimes that gets used for someone else's purposes that are, let's say, less than honorable, um, whether that be politicians, the ruling class, or whoever. Um, and so you'll see very much a libertarian strain. And to be honest, I'm borderline anarchist at this point, and I don't know what's standing in my way other than old style of thinking and still having you know friends and a sense that maybe it just it can't just be that it can't be that simple the non-aggression principle or the zero aggression principle basically it you know don't tread on me don't tread on anyone i mean those are very popular phrases within the libertarian movement in that party and and the more convinced i am of of becoming uh, what's called an agorist and well, i'll be able to go in more into that and for me it's just trying to think through these things as much as possible but let's really get into the health side of this so uh, just to get into my health journey overall, my track coach in in college uh, is also an Olympic coach, uh, or at least was, um, and he's been around the scene for a very long time. And so at least twice a year, he always sat us down uh, as a team and went through his kind of health ideas. It was washing hands. He talked about, you know, many of the you know, top tier athletes, your, your Olympic athletes would go to these other countries and they wouldn't shake anybody's hand. And I think you can understand that in the, you know, COVID-19 world that we live in. I mean, you have people that are, are competing at the top of their game. The last thing that they want, even if they have fans coming up to them is to shake their hands and get sick while they're preparing for one of the biggest days of their life and all of that hard work that led up to that. And yeah, they don't shake people's hand. Um, you know, that was something that, that struck me, but we also went into, uh, food choices and stuff. And honestly, before that, I hadn't really thought about it. I, I think I was, you know, uh, because I played so many sports and did so many things, you know, early on before high school and also during high school. I mean, I think I was gone from 630 in the morning in uh, from my house. And I don't think I got back most days, uh, at least when school was in session, summer was something different entirely. But, you know, I don't think I came back before, you know, 630 or seven. So I was almost gone 12 hours a day almost every single day doing everything under the sun. And, and a lot of it, I just didn't want to be home. And not, not that I had a bad home life or anything. I just, I wanted to be moving. I wanted to be going. I wanted to be doing something. Um, so I was always playing sports. We'd go from football to soccer to track. Uh, in the middle of all that, I did, um, uh, I did show choir my senior year while I was there. I played, you know, church basketball, church softball, I mean, any, anything that I could do that was just a little bit extra, I would, I would try to do and just keep moving uh, as much as possible. And that's kind of the athletic side of me kind of coming out and what I was trying to do then. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, college and especially getting out of college where I didn't really have a whole lot of say of what I was eating because at the Air Force Academy, you don't really get a, a choice 
um, your sat down breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, and you know, you're, you're get, you get what Mitchell Hall gives you basically, um, which weren't always necessarily the healthiest of choices that are out there, but you know, it, 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 it happened to be whatever it was. And that's, that's what it, what it was. So I did try to stay away from partially hydrogenated vegetable oils and high fructose corn syrup. I mean, those were the two big things our coach always harped on and just, you know, stay away from those uh, as much as possible. Now, the whole theme from this idea of your health journey, my health journey, and in the interviews that I did comes down to the idea of an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. And I know with anybody that's involved with the military, you know, TRICARE comes out. And I think people are thankful a lot of times that maybe they don't have to pay for, uh, you know, they don't have to pay out of pocket like others do for their healthcare uh, when they, they don't have to get as much taken out of their paycheck in order to pay for a healthcare plan uh, that's there because it's TRICARE. Um, while that might seem good in the short term, there are many reasons why that is absolutely bad, not just for you, but for other people as well. And it doesn't, just because it's free also mean that doesn't, uh, that you're going to get the best care either. And I, don't, I think that's something that's really important to really understand about that. So I kind of want to quickly address, you know, the issues of TRICARE in the military medical system, and then move on to a discussion of, you know, preventative self-care. And that's where I really think you should be uh, focusing your time. It's where I, I've decided to really focus my time. And I think you'll, you'll get better results from that as well. So options for, you know, the healthcare costs, and there's other healthcare programs uh, that are out there, if that's what you're worried about for catastrophic care. But the best thing that you possibly could be doing is starting out with that ounce of prevention. And, and today it's starting wherever you're at and wherever you can be. Uh, and there's, there's no way that it's going to be something that changes overnight. It, it's just not going to happen. But there are some things that you can do that will put you further ahead day by day as best you can be. Um, all right, so to quickly start on this quick conversation that I have for you guys, I do want to kind of start out with TRICARE. Now, just keep in mind, a lot of this stuff is uh, opinions that I have, uh, and I certainly will be digging a lot more into some of these later on and actually giving more uh, pieces of evidence and stuff that, that I think really kind of draw somewhat of a stark picture uh, for really the level of care that some of these things can actually give you and why I think it's, it's a noble cause to look at other options that are out there that in reality are much better. Um, so let's just kind of dig into this real quick and then we'll quickly move into the health, the health side of it. Cause I, but I want to draw this part out talking about TRICARE, the military medical system, the VA system to a degree, because I, I hope that people understand and I want people to understand that oftentimes because it's easy doesn't mean it's the right thing for you to do when there are other options available. But how can, if, if the only thing that you really should try to be going is for catastrophic care, you know, when there really is no other option for you to be able to take care of yourself, how do you avoid uh, any of the other situations that might put you there in the first place? And that's where this idea of ounce of prevention being greater than the pound of cure. Like I would, I would rather be able to take care of the small things, the daily habits today of eating healthy, exercising, breathing right, 
rather than having to work on some of this stuff later and be subject to a system. And even though it's free, that also means I haven't planned my life around the idea of being able to put money away for that unlikely circumstance or uh, the circumstance that hopefully never comes. Um, but, but that's one of those things that you have to be uh, willing to address uh, and to get your mindset out of thinking that TRICARE really is your only option. So why would a hospital or a med medical facility not take TRICARE? You know, I, we ran into this a number of times where uh, a company specifically will not take TRICARE. But just imagine the amount of regulatory burden and cost that's associated with having to negotiate and settle premiums with a government agency. And you know how inefficient a lot of government agencies can be, all, you know, maybe except for the IRS, who is very efficient at doing their job, go figure. But in that world, as, as highly regulated as our, the economy and the political system is, the largest and most and well-connected institutions are still likely to maintain the ability to overcome such a burden. So the bigger the company is, the more they can take on those regu regulatory burdens. Want to learn the history they didn't teach you in school? Check out Liberty Classroom put together by the one and only Tom Woods. He's brought along many of his colleagues to teach the politically incorrect version of history and economics that your teachers wouldn't dare teach you. Don't have time for lectures? Well, guess what? You can download the lectures directly onto your smartphone as well. My favorite so far has been the U.S. President's Best and Worst by Brian McClanahan. I found a new respect for some presidents that I've had and plenty more scorn for a lot of others. And no, I don't mean Trump. And no, I don't mean Obama. Please give me a little credit for having a little bit of nuance here. Uh, the next course for me is actually going to be How Freedom Settled the West by Brad Berzin. I'm really excited about that one. And guess what? It wasn't regulation. It's not government bureaucracy. It was freedom that settled the West. Uh, I don't need to move to Somalia to show you how a stateless society actually can function. There are plenty of examples in our own history. But history never stays the same. We never we're, we are people that are in space and time. And it's actually up to us to create and form the world that we want to live in. You can only do that by getting smarter every day and challenging your own assumptions. So come join thousands of other lifelong learners by signing up for Liberty Classroom. You can get there by going to cashflowveteran.com slash Liberty Classroom. That's one word, cashflowveteran.com slash Liberty Classroom. If you, if you think of any sort of small business or medium-sized business that's trying to gain any sort of market share, any big tax, even if it's a tax break for some of the bigger companies, oftentimes is put up as another barrier to entry for these lower companies that might offer a better solution, that might have a better way. But because of how politically connected some of these bigger companies are, now you're running into a situation uh, where they're benefiting from knocking out the competition by using government force in order to do it. That's one of the biggest things I have a problem with. Now, when we come back to looking at uh, TRICARE, this is where the, while a private company doesn't have to take TRICARE, there are things that, that the government and other agencies can do to try to somewhat force them to be able to take uh, the TRICARE. But well, the question is, 
I think it should be respected that any healthcare provider that decides not to take insurance because it might price them out of being able to provide care to people. And, and that I think is what, whether they decide to or not, you know, the question would be, well, why wouldn't they take TRICARE, which, you know, services the military members? Why aren't they supporting these types of people? And the thing is, if they, some, some of them, if, depending on what their margins are, and again, this, this is from business to business, there's the possibility that they can't provide care if they have to now, uh, they have to exclude care from somebody else in order to pay for the regulatory burden that comes along with being able to accept TRICARE in the first place because it takes an oftentimes more time for them to be able to negotiate the rates and the prices that come along with that. So by choosing you know, cash solutions to healthcare, which is one of the things that I know I'm moving towards and trying to understand a little bit better, you know, it may be possible to provide a much more affordable solution, um, you know, unless the medical cartel ends up shutting it down. So if the majority of people start being able to use cash to go use services or that they are part of a monthly program that provides a basic level of service. So it's like a lot of other things, you know, maybe, maybe you get your car washed at a place that has a car washing club where you pay them uh, once per month, uh, like there is one here in Nebraska, and you go in and you can get your car washed, every car washed for 30 to 40 bucks a month. I mean, the amount of money that you don't have to spend now to do some of that is crazy. Um, you can do some of the hand washing, it runs you through an entire system, but if even if you were to do it once a month with each of your cars, I mean, you're looking at saving quite a bit of money to be able to do that. And you, they have vacuums and everything else you might want that's there. So why can't you have a medical service that provides you annual checkups or some of the very basic services uh, that would be very affordable for people to do just to have that opinion. And with COVID-19, it can be do, done remotely. Why is it that a, a doctor from one state can't see somebody from another state simply because that's where they are, even though that doctor might be the best person in that particular field to be able to look at those types of cases, whatever, the, whatever specialization that they might have. So why would you care if TRICARE Primes covers the majority, if not all of the cost of medical procedures for military members and their dependents? Not to mention the copays, the deductibles of most civilian healthcare plans are still significantly cheaper than the cost of the care. So why would I pay in cash? So that's one of those, when you talk about paying in cash, people go, whoa, why, why would I pay cash for some of these services that are out there? There's a whole industry of medical tourism where they have doctors who've been trained in the U.S. by some of the best in the world, and they are some of the best in the world for dental care, for other medical procedures that are out there. And it's cheaper for you to pay in cash to fly to a different country all cost included than it is sometimes for the amount of money you're going to have to pony up for some of these procedures here in the U.S. and also have your insurance take over for it. So one, one great book that uh, Tim Ferriss in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, that's one of the things that he addresses in that book is medical tourism, being able to kind of take yourself out. And the thing is, is we have some of those here in the United States. Uh, Atlas MD is, is one of those. I believe they're out of either Kansas or South Dakota where they are able to get prescriptions for people at almost 90% markdown from 
the actual cost of what you might pay if you were to use your insurance and why can they do that? Well, the guys just figured out the best way possible to be able to do that, especially when a lot of these drugs um, now aren't, you know, the patent for them has run out or uh, they're able to do much more uh, production on a massive scale because they don't have one company that actually has the monopoly on that particular drug, right? So you're able to get better care by driving it down in cost. So again, the question is, is why would I pay in cash? Well, the answer is typically what is not looked at. The, a lot of libertarians will talk about the seen and the unseen. And it's one of those ideas that comes from what's called the glass window fallacy or the broken window fallacy, not the glass window, the broken window fallacy. And uh, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a larger uh, kind of expose and kind of go into the broken window fallacy quite a bit more later on. But what it comes down to is secondary effects and the incentives that they have. So people often look at what they pay directly uh, because that's the immediate pain that they feel. If you have to give over money, that is a pain that you feel. Consequently, that's also why uh, your taxes are taken out pre-tax because I guarantee you, you wouldn't stand for taxes if you had to go pay every single year, even though that's how they used to do it. You said, this is how much money I made this year. And they said, guess what? Well, your tax rate is this. Now give us cash in order to do that. No, they take the money out at the beginning. That way the tax man gets his money first. And then you, for whatever reason, and I know that I fall into this trap, think that all of a sudden, hey, I'm, the government's giving me money. It was your money all along. And instead of you actually having to pony, it, pony that up and actually feel the pain of how much money you're actually giving the government, you never see it. It's the same principle that people say you should pay yourself first. In order to be wealthy, you should be paying yourself into whatever investment vehicle first. Before paying debt, before doing any of that, you should be putting money away for your future. And when you start doing that, you do it first. One of the great things about that is you get used to the lifestyle that you have when you pay yourself first. The same thing is true behaviorally when the government takes your money also first. You get used to the rest of the money that you have and that's the, the habits that you gain from it. Now, if you had to pay for your investments or again, pay for taxes at the end of the year and you were able to keep all that other money, you probably wouldn't stand for it as much and you'd be less likely to want to do it as well. And that's why I, I bring that up as far as you feeling the immediate pain of what it might be. I'm just trying to get you to think about this a little bit differently from a health perspective. So they don't question or see how they actually paying for it in other ways. You know, you obviously will pay things through taxes, fees, other types of mandates that are out there or whatever other term that they can say for taking your money out of whatever it is. It could be, Oh, this social security, it's insurance. Well, it's not really an insurance, but it is an insurance because you have to call it one, even though it's technically not one. That's a whole nother conversation to be had. And we will uh, eventually. So the other problem is that insurance, which, which companies don't have to compete often in the multitude of other providers in each state. So there's only certain providers. You can't cross state lines. And that's one of the biggest criticisms I know that conservatives have uh, with uh, the way the insurance companies run. I'm not saying that insurance companies aren't, uh, in some cases, aren't run by greed or, or anything like that. But if they're providing a sp very specific service and now the government's forcing them to do something that they normally otherwise wouldn't do, well, that's a problem. The other problem is it's not actual insurance. Your car insurance is for the, the idea of catastrophic failure of something later on, a crash or whatever the case might be. And it, it covers injury. It covers all this. It covers that circumstance that you don't want to happen. 
whereas our medical insurance is more of a comprehensive healthcare package. It's not really insurance. You're basically paying for your care prepaying, but now you have less choice in the matter for how you go about your care. Uh, that's one little you know tidbit. Plus, they don't go across state lines, and so if there was more competition and people had more options in every state that they lived in, uh, the amount of care that you could get could—it's as simple as being able to uh, have that company be able to understand the laws in that specific state to provide the insurance that's there. And honestly, that doesn't change a whole lot from one state to the other other than their ability to say yes or no that you can have that insurance here or not. Just something to think about. So they, so I'll, I'll go back to that. So the, the other problem is that the insurance, which companies do not have to compete with, uh, often with a multitude of other providers in each state, has a monopoly on payment, which incentivized hospitals to change more for care than you could typically get if you paid cash. What that means is, the hospital itself has a financial incentive to negotiate at a higher rate if that's the only way that they're going to get paid through the insurance rather than through cash. In fact, a lot of the stuff that I have read on this topic, uh, some of the other podcasts, especially one of the guys that has been interviewed at Atlas MD and a few of the other doctors who are now starting to take a cash system uh, as well, is a lot of hospitals don't even know the value if someone was to pay cash. They don't, they don't even have a sheet that tells them what the value of that service actually was in order to do that, which is crazy. I mean, they should at least have a cost of services that are out there. Again, it typically kind of has a ballpark estimate of what, whatever it is. And, and believe me, if there's any uh, medical billing people that are out there that you want to talk about this at some point, I would love to dig more into this topic. But as I understand it, uh, it's more of a negotiation rather than actually having a list of services that are out there. Now, there's other elective surgeries, other things that have uh, a better function of what it would be for cash uh, for someone to pay. So there's a lot more to delve into, uh, and I, again, I will in a future post, um, but I wanted to illustrate the point that often things that are meant to help or at least pay lip service to the intention for helping often do the exact opposite of whatever they were intended to do, which in my mind is why the medical insurance field is wrought with uh, just costs that are going astronomical for a lot of that stuff. And I don't think it's simply just the greed of the companies. I mean, when you have government incentives that incentivize them to do that, well, part of the problem is the law in and of itself. Uh, and again, like I said, if you have smaller companies that can't compete with a regulatory, regulatory burden to give people more options, you very well might come down to people that have uh, not only you know the greed that they might have, they also don't have uh, the incentive not to do bad. I know it sounds crazy. They, they oftentimes don't get in trouble for the things they do because they're getting encouraged to do the wrong thing in the first place, which is a problem. So I hope you can tell from this series that I'm adamant about getting your blood tested. It's one of the best ways for you to get to know more about your body right now. And I hope you can also see the importance of tailoring your nutrition, your exercise, and your health to your specific needs and your specific goals, rather than just going through the guesswork and following a lot of the different fads that are out there. If you want to get that specificity at a very affordable price, it's just a couple of hundred bucks. Reach out to my friend Brandon Groney at amf-usa.org slash contact. Again, that is amf-usa.org 
org slash contact. Let him know that I sent you and let him know that you're interested in getting your DNA tested. Honestly, I've spent over $1,500 for different types of blood testing and the cost of all that stuff has come way, way down. And honestly, for a few hundred bucks, there's nothing that should be really getting in your way to living the healthiest, best life possible. So, going down my notes. Okay. So it's supposed to be affordable healthcare, yet the prices that will continue to skyrocket, and I foresee the possibility of, of bailouts for medical insurance companies uh, and any other kind of related sectors, especially if like single payer healthcare goes through, if we end up going down the path of basically <laughs> nationalizing our healthcare system, um, which would be crazy, you, you'll find that people have far fewer choices in order to do that. And I know that's a, a huge debate that a lot of people want to have. And believe me, I would love to have that debate eventually. Uh, so they'll have no choice, um, which will continue to push out competition and monopolizes coverage into fewer and fewer companies. Uh, and it just so happens that those companies may or may not have government contracts. It may or may not be that they end up having the government own part of it, especially if we go through this, this global pandemic turns into a global, uh, go, global depression as well. Uh, I, I think you're going to see a coalescing more and more of these larger companies that are highly in, in fields that are highly regulated be more and more influenced and taken over by government agencies and government laws, or at least people that are connected to power players. So luckily, there are some companies, as I said, doctors and healthcare providers that are bucking the trend uh, and at least trying to offer affordable, routine, preventative care for a fraction of the cost. And oftentimes, it's even less than the deductible you might pay with your current provider. Like the tax industry, think about what would happen if the tax code was simply written on a one-page document. So a little bit of a thought experiment here. So if the IRS would cease to exist and, uh, and save taxpayers millions, literally, if you are able to break the tax code down to one very simple tax code, remember we talked about uh, early on, if they just take your money out, well, the thing is, if you have one thing that's on the books, the, the change to it is going to be painful. There Any change, uh, even if it's for the better, if there are people that are benefiting from a current system, the moment you take that system away, it's going to cause them pain. But keep in mind that if it is the better thing to do, to, to be more fair, to actually offer more equitable treatment, it's going to take some time. But the more stable that you can allow that to be, the better off. And I think the simpler that you make the law, the better off that it's going to be as well. So if you could boil it down to having a one-page document of what people pay, there would be no need for the IRS and would, again, save taxpayers millions of dollars of paying that. And there very well might be plenty of tax money. Not that I'm, I, I personally believe taxation is theft. <laughs> I don't know what else to say as far as that goes, but I mean, the, with a Laffer curve, uh, basically, uh, I, I think his name was Arthur Laffer. Uh, there's a, there's a point where uh, even if you were to cut taxes um, or rearrange them in some way. Number one, the level of taxes has basically been paid the same uh, through the inception of the IRS. There's not even when it's been the highest people that are paying it. When you look at the total uh, economy, when you look at the total population of how much money and how much wealth is actually done, the, the curve itself hasn't really changed at all, uh, up or down. And it really doesn't matter whether you try to tax the rich or not. 
uh, in reality, it just means that more and more of the middle class are going to continue to get taxed. But by saving taxpayers millions of dollars to be able to do that, it also means that any government agency can then start regulating their budget a little bit better. And believe me, we'll get into that much further down the line. So a billion dollar tax preparation economy would also have no use. So I love CPAs. I love, I love the number crunchers out there. But we spend billions of dollars every year just preparing taxes just for to submit those things to the government. That would be a billion dollar industry that would no longer have to be there anymore because of how simple paying taxes would be. Again, not that I'm supporting paying taxes. I think it's ludicrous that we even pay taxes. That's crazy to me. But we could literally stimulate huge sections of the economy by never taking or using that money in the first place. So we would never have to go spend money on how to give the government money then to be redistributed however the government decides or how what power players would decide that would be there would be a much more simple and that's kind of a flat tax i guess that would be but i i, I would i would support that over the system that we currently have even though i still don't support and i still think it's immoral and unethical to have a tax uh from the government perspective whether that's a fair flat tax or not i think it's still uh, a ludicrous idea and actually hurts the very people that it intends to help so the same thing holds true in the medical industry that we just kind of talked about with the tax industry. By allowing more competition, ensuring providers can offer more affordable options, people can save thousands every year by not having to cover the large premiums for services that they never need in the first place, like a male being covered for female birth control or the misallocations of other coverage. Why would, let's say, a female need to pay for the possibility of uh, a vasectomy if that was part of the medical coverage uh, for it. I know TRICARE, for example, would pay for my vasectomy, uh, even though the reversal would have to come out of my pocket. But why in the world does, you know, does the coverage, if you paid for some of that, why would that be covered by a female uh, who would be paying into that? It, for whatever system that, that might have that service, why should they have to pay for all of those services? Why should a pro-life person have as a part of their overall coverage and be mandated to pay for things that they don't believe in, uh, like let's say contraception or uh, abortive services as well. Why would that person have to pay for something that they don't believe in when that's something that, uh, not just that they don't believe in, they'll never use. And again, it's to subsidize for other people. And that's, I think, one of the, the, key, the key points to kind of take in as far as how insurance companies kind of uh, operate. So, Uh, people could focus on preventative care, routine checkups, and they could pay lower premiums for catastrophic care of things that they may actually need in the event of an accident or grave illness, the way that insurance is supposed to be. The idea of insurance is for that catastrophic coverage. So instead, people are forced to pay for things that they don't need. It's as simple as that. So again, the military members don't pay, right? Well, taxes do. So either you or something, something, else pays for it. Someone else pays for your overall coverage. And if bailouts eventually come out, your children your, and your children's children will pick up the tab for the coverage you never needed in the first place. Again, that's a, that's a point that TRICARE covers all this extra stuff because it's this catch-all idea. Well, it comes directly from taxpayers in order to do that. And so technically you get taxed, even though why a military person gets taxed with their income, I have no idea. Uh, other, other than the other incentives that, you know, the benefits of paying taxes that come along with that. 
Um, still makes no sense to me why military people have to pay taxes when they don't actually generate revenue. All the revenue that's generated from other people working are what pay for retirement, are what pay for TRICARE, what pay for your paycheck. It just makes no sense to me why military people even pay taxes. Like you're getting taxed on taxes you collected from other people. It's crazy. Crazy. All right. So FDA, DHHS, USDA, in my opinion, from what I've seen, have oversaw one of the greatest health declines in history. Just, just ask some of the questions from their guidelines, okay? Which is better over the years, margarine or actual butter? Is breast milk better than formula? Are grains the foundation of a healthy diet? If you look at the food pyramid, which turned into a different pyramid, which is now a plate, um, you look at the different incentives that have uh, come down. I mean, just believe me, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm forgetting all kinds of recommendations that have flip-flopped over time. And it could be that they're learning the better things from the good science that's out there, right? But not to mention that some of these organizations get publicly, uh, public tax funding and also make money from fees. So they get to charge uh, on a private basis, but also collect fees. I'm thinking of the FDA. Now, these are uh, fees for things that they need. So 50, I think it's almost 50% or over 50% of their money actually comes from private industry um, in order to do that. While individual people uh, work, I'll assume, have the best intentions to help people and be great public servants. So again, the military members, uh, anybody in the healthcare industry, like the, the intention of these people are, are good. And I think for the majority of the people, they're there to make a difference and they take pride in making a difference for people. However, the incentives that run the organization, in my mind, are what are immoral uh, and unethical because of what they take away from other people in order to exist in the first place. But there's no amount of intention that these people might have that can overcome the structural incentives from the government. Once you create that government entity, it doesn't lend itself to fixing its problem to where it's not needed anymore. Uh, there's one reason for so much flip-flopping. Uh, this is one of the reasons that it takes you and me as individuals to learn how to educate ourselves about what health officials, what nutritionists, and what brands are trying to say and where they're getting their data from. At the end of the day, you will have to get to know your body because no one else is going to be able to tell that better than yourself. Now, you can lie to yourself in a lot of ways, and a lot of us do, but as we become better, as we improve our personal economy as cash flow veterans, one of the things I want to encourage you to do is to really think about what your body is doing. Food is the fuel for our ability to achieve our dreams. It's the fuel for us to be able to lift the weights and to get in shape. It's the fuel that gives us the uh, capacity to learn, to focus, uh, to do all the things. So that is one of the biggest foundations of being able to be an extremely productive person. And I think anybody can, can tell that whether you, uh, whether at times you've drinking, uh, taken large, <laughs> large sums of alcohol, uh, in your intake or whether you have, you know, eaten a whole cake by yourself or eaten nothing, nothing but garbage food, you know, you put it in and that's what you get. I mean, you are kind of what you eat. You end up being lethargic. You have uh, other issues. And the more that you continue to do that. And one of the things that I don't one of the things I don't think people really understand is food is a drug. I mean, it changes your hormones. It changes your, your, uh, it has an impact on your emotions, on, on how you feel throughout the day and not just from a body fatigue perspective, but also just from mental fog and everything else. I mean, food has that much of an impact, but it does it in little doses, like micro dosing of, of uh, chemicals and 
biological agents that are put in your body, which is why it's so important to get the fuel right. And not everybody is the same. So, <clears throat> and so you have to get to know yourself because you, you, no one else will know you better than yourself. And you have to be able to learn to get honest and truthful about that with yourself as well. And that's especially true when you're really starting to pay attention to what you're putting in your body, just like we've been talking about. So I'm going to stop it here. Sales and marketing is one of the most important things for you owning or starting a business. In fact, when you're starting a business, you wear every single hat. And the thing is, is we actually sell, influence, and market things every day by the types of shirts we wear, the shoes we wear, the watches we wear, the cars we drive. I mean, you name it, we are constantly advertising for someone else. Now, rather than just taking a whole bunch of different personality tests that are out there, some are obviously more scientifically valid than others, one of the best things that I did for myself was taking Perry Marshall's DNA marketing test. It answered the question, should I be writing advertising shop copy? Should I be trying to do face-to-face -face sales? Should I try to do webinars? Should I try to produce more video content, doing audio content? Should I try to get into negotiations? Should I take the time to be a website designer? And one of the crazy things that I found was I should be talking to people. I should be getting face-to-face -face and I should be doing copy. And that's why I do my email list every single day so that I can practice something that I'm already ready to do. And the fact is, I figured that out. As soon as I took this test, I thought about all my pre previous experience. It's why I enjoyed doing instructing within the Air Force for so long. It's why I enjoyed uh, my political science major in writing persuasive papers and actually why I actually enjoy getting in front of other people and discussing ideas and having very healthy debate with people about it. It's why I enjoy doing that. And honestly, when I took this test, my score is 7947 and you know, that means nothing to you. I just know specifically what I'm supposed to be focusing on as a sales and marketer has actually made it much more enjoyable as I've started building my business. So with that, go to cashflowveteran.com slash marketing DNA. Take your DNA test today so you know exactly where to start. And don't focus on the things that you're not good at. Focus only on the things that you're good at to get your entrepreneurship message out there. That's the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I really would appreciate your support through any of the advertising, the affiliate links I share, or you can go to cashflowveteran.com slash support and click on the $5 tip jar and send a cup of coffee my way. Also, I'd love to hear from you. And you can easily do that by downloading the anchor.fm app and leave me a voice message with a comment or a question or a topic that you'd like me to cover. And I'll see what I can do. With that, Take it easy.